The book of James is all about practical advice for everyday living, an advice letter to those whom James called beloved, all of us. James reminds us that true religion requires an active faith demonstrated in how we live. Wisdom is held as the ultimate goal. But what is wisdom and who gets to define it? Real wisdom, James tells us, is a mark of the spirit, a sign of the spirit's indwelling presence, confirmation of God's love working within us. This wisdom leads to peaceful, gentle living. Gentleness with ourselves, but more importantly, gentleness with each other. That sounds pretty good to me right about now. What about you? Recently, I've been hearing from so many of you who are struggling with depression, anxiety, stress, exhaustion, a sense of purposelessness, fatigue. We've been hearing about pandemic fatigue and it's sneaky, I'm realizing. You think you're okay, but then you just crash. Something, it could be the smallest, most insignificant thing tips you off and surprises you and how you react. We're tired. We've never lived in a moment like this before. And if the author of James were sitting here with us today, I think they'd argue that much of the reason we're tired is because we haven't actually been living wisely. We haven't been gentle with each other. We haven't been demonstrating lives full of God's presence in every moment. We have forgotten to draw near to God and God will draw near to us but I'm not coming here today to slap us on the wrist. That's the last thing we need. You see, our not living wisely isn't entirely our fault. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that the way that things are, were, are, were, and are looking to continue to be does not work. We've said this, right? We've said that racial, class, and environmental injustices are exposed anew, yes. But perhaps the single most important thing we're learning is that we are a country that does not have an ethic of care. And when we draw near to God, God reminds us that living wisely is predicated on care. Care not just for ourselves, but for us all. You see, I'm not talking about self-care that takes us to the spa or the salon or Starbucks, even though, I mean, those things are great and I hope you get to do all those things. But I'm talking about the need we have to move as a society from self-care to collective care. From I need to look after me to we need to look after each other. Collective care can't be captured by capitalism. Part of the reason we're so exhausted is because we've been fed social lies that if we want to feel better, we have to do the work. We have to buy the thing. We have to go to the place. We have to figure out how to make ourselves feel better. But shouting self-care at people who actually need community care is how we fail people. Nikita Valero says brilliantly. And in an interview with The Nation, Mariam Kaba says, the pandemic shows the limits of personal responsibility and the importance of a systemic response that enables people to take the actions that are needed to have community safety and wellness. If the government had acted appropriately by paying people to stay home and by ensuring that folks have the basic things they need, 
then we would have been through this a lot differently and a lot better. One thing that became clear to more people is how we're interconnected and interwoven. She continues, Maya Mingus and the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collaborative popularized this mutual aid thinking, this collective care conversation years ago. We need to prepare. You need these skills and this tool because disasters happen and harm occurs. And we're going to need to find responses that aren't emergency reactions. People had been saying what needed to be in place to weather pandemics, disasters and harms, and suddenly we're finally hungry to learn, she concludes. While social distancing and hand washing and vaccines and masks, thank God for them, they are necessary tools to help stop the spread of the virus. They will only be effective if grounded in an ethic and practice of collective care. Only by deeply looking out for each other, by building on rather than fearing the fact that we're interconnected and impacted by COVID and other disasters, will we actually be able to lessen sickness, death, and the emotional, practical, financial weight on all of us. Self-care alone will not solve systemic issues. For that, we need collective care. And if we look to our holy text, it's full of the wisdom of collective care. I'm talking about four friends removing a roof so their disabled friend could get to Jesus. Elijah and the widow, Tabitha making clothes for the community, Rahab helping the spies, the crowd of 5,000 plus, finding within themselves food for the hungry, women showing up together at the feet of Jesus and at the tomb, the disciples, there were 12 of them, remember? Learning and moving together. Yes, church, the wisdom of James, if we draw near enough to listen to it, is that wise living looks like reorienting our society to shout with the movements of care can't wait, care for all and more than essential. And here's what's up for us, church. We get to live into the gift of care. We get to check in with each other during worship. We get to be cared for and cared for others in beloved community. And we must be courageous enough to show the world how to do it. To dare to proclaim as an institution that collective care is more than essential that we need to invest in care, embody care culture, or we will continue to be unwell. The church can and must be a place that practices, teaches, and embodies collective care. Now, what does that look like? I don't know exactly, but I know we can figure it out together. And I know a few things that it looks like. It starts by pointing out how the current system isn't working, check by being real about our struggles and care, our struggles and caring for our aging parents, community members, children. It starts by making sure everyone can take the time off work that they need, that everyone has enough to eat, clean water to drink and with which to sanitize, that supports are in place so that no one ever thinks they're alone. It means that there are supports in place to support mental health. It looks like accessible healthcare, getting paid justly for caring for parents, the elderly, and our children. It's reminding the world that it was nurses, janitors, food workers, farm workers, subway operators, USPS workers that saved us during the pandemic, not Congress and not billionaires. 
It's demanding permanent status and protection for undocumented immigrant women so they can work in security and dignity. It's reminding people that care jobs, domestic work is done by majority women of color and resisting the racism and sexism that allows that work to be pushed aside and way undervalued and underpaid. It's reminding Congress that we must pass the Build Back Better plan that will create jobs with living wages, respect, and dignity. Doing so would represent the largest investment in creating good jobs for women of color in the history of our nation, prioritizing a group of workers explicitly excluded from the New Deal due to racism. It's supporting organizations like National Domestic Workers Alliance, Caring Across Generations, and Care in Action. Yes, we must put care at the center of our justice, policy, and pandemic conversations because that's what God calls us to do. That's what love looks like. What else might it look like, church? It looks like pairing deacons with congregants and setting up systems within our member portal for us to connect with each other, to check in with each other, to see how we're doing. It looks like having a pastor on call, accessible when you need to know that somebody is there when you're at your limit. It looks like a deacon walking and praying for an hour outside Sloan Kettering Memorial Hospital this week while one of our own was undergoing a procedure. It looks like sending and receiving cards when we're celebrating or grieving. It looks like the technician, when she saw my tears during my miscarriage, who started crying too, because she understood that our lives are more than scientific. We're human. And when we're vulnerable with each other, we give each other permission to be vulnerable too. To remember that we are only and only human that we need each other, that we need care. It looks like members coming together and saying, okay, so we don't have a building anymore. There's nowhere to pack food, but people are still hungry. So we're gonna pack lunches in our home and we're gonna meet to deliver them so our butterfly ministry can continue. And yes, it's continuing and it's happening starting homecoming Sunday. It looks like doing things with our time that doesn't compute. And we're going to do one such thing right now. We are going to embody collective care. So I don't want you to worry about how long I've been preaching or what time it is. I want you to just get comfortable however you want to receive care. I know we're in the Zoom space and it's so great to see your, each other's faces, but if you'd like to turn your video off for just a minute, feel free to and get comfortable and hear these words that may be familiar, but may be new. These are words from our holy scriptures that remind us how much we are cared for. Cast all your anxieties on God. God cares for you. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Fear not, 
for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Cast your burden on the Lord and the Lord will sustain you. She will never permit the righteous to be moved. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. She makes me lie down in green pastures. They lead me beside still waters. They restore my soul. She leads me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can open your eyes and come back into the space. How do you feel? Did you reconnect with parts of you you hadn't connected with in some time? Did you feel silly or guilty for spending time being cared for? We have to unlearn that, y'all. We have to resist the loud ways that capitalism and white supremacy and the patriarchy denounce collective care, thereby failing all of us. We have to build systems of care. And as the church, as an institution that holds deeply the call to rehearse on earth as it is in heaven, we must be a people who cultivate radical, revolutionary collective care. So may we know and feel care. May we support all those doing the work of care. May we embody and build a revolutionary care that the whole world needs. Amen.